here we are, not just just over halfway through 2023. Quan is in jail in Montenegro, waiting to be extradited to the United States. Sam Bankman-Fried is under house arrest. Can only assume he's going to jail. Mashinsky is going to jail. Suzu and Kyle Davies are still on the run, but they are completely ostracized from the West. They can't step anywhere outside of Dubai or else, otherwise they would be arrested. So that box is not yet checked. However, with all the other boxes checked and the complete fall from grace that is 3-0 capital and probably the very likely cases and efforts going into actually grabbing those guys is probably going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. I say that we have permission to be bullish. Bankless Nation, it is the third Friday of July and it is time for what, David? Uh, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up, Ryan, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor. Yet, we persevere nonetheless into the frontier no matter where we are in the world. Uh, as you can tell, I'm in a you know, kind of a cramped little, this is the most cramped <laughs> podcast recording setup I've ever had. It looks good, actually. So uh, David's in Paris. And by the way, Bankless Nation, this is the first time we are actually doing an episode in three weeks. All right. Yeah, this so is Ryan, mine and Ryan's first podcast in three weeks, which is the longest time that we've gone since starting this podcast. Yeah. So we've had uh, David's been off climbing mountains and you've got some more mountains mm -hmm. to climb, by the way. I've got one more. Uh, so we, we queued up some podcasts. We we um, put those out for you for the last, and I, I've been doing some solo episodes. David's got one more mountain. How has it been so far? Uh, it's been pretty good. Let me tell you, the whiplash between being on a mountain and then the next day flying to Paris to go to ECC, so <laughs> like from mountain to crypto conference in under 24 hours was a lot. I was sitting on the plane. There was a few moments I had, like halfway up the mountain, I was like climbing, climbing Rainier and we were at like 12,000 feet with 2,400 feet more to go. And I was pretty exhausted. And I'm like, this is my first vacation. <laughs> and then I'm like, and that's what you choose to do. That's what you I choose, choose to, to climb do. Mountains. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then, and then just a day and a half later, I'm on a flight to go to uh, Paris and I'm like 10 days behind on anything crypto related. Like crypto is a new industry 10 days later. Oh and my like, God. I was like sitting around. I was like, man. I need to catch up on crypto. What do people do? How do the people consume crypto news? What do they do when they need to catch up on the week? Oh, I can listen to the roll-up. I started listening <laughs> to the weekly roll-up with you and Anthony. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is so useful. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is really useful. I mean, bank, Bankless, uh, I think for for me and for you, David, has just been about kind of a, a journey of creating content, exploring subjects that we would right. have wanted to explore otherwise. So it's just kind of a, yeah. a chronicling of that of that journey. I'm glad yeah, you found the roll-up so useful, David. That's great. That's great <laughs> to hear. No like, satisfied wow, is... customer. <laughs> I, am a, I was very satisfied. Okay, very so remind people. what Anthony did a great job. A huge shout out to Anthony Cesano for yeah, tapping in three out. times over the last like five weeks or so. Yeah, I mean, he really is the third uh, podcast co-host, yeah. even if he yeah. doesn't know it. Yeah, he's, he's um, better than us. Okay, so what are you doing in Paris? You said a crypto conference. What conference is that? ETH CC. So I'm at the Ethereum Community Conference. So I actually, ETH CC is interesting because it was the super spreader event right before COVID. So it was the last Ethereum conference before we shut down conferences. And then it was also the first conference in 2021 that started things up again. So this is the third ETH CC since the conference season really got started. And conference season started after like in 2021 where crypto like was dead between 2018 to 2020 from the perception of the outside world to very very much alive 
And so this it, it, July, it's always in July. It's always in the same place. It's always the same org like, uh, running and, and uh, programming this thing. And so it always feels like a, you know one trip around the sun. It's like an arbitrary birthday for all the conference goers out there. It's like, oh, it's a nice landmark every single year. So this is ECC number six. This is my third. Uh, it was great. It's been great. I was, I always like to ask because as you know, I, I don't go to these things. I only go to like one uh, conference a year and that is permissionless. Uh, which is coming up, by the way. When when is that coming? That's the next one you're doing. September. That's in yeah, that, September. That is next. Permissionless is next. Yeah. All right. So Bankless Nation, make sure you grab a ticket if you already haven't. But ETCC is different. Uh, my impression, it's it's very it's kind of a technical type type of track. Very my, my favorite question to ask people, and we'll get into some of the events, some of the um, announcements that were made at ETCC. But the question right now is because we're still in a bear market. Is like, what's the vibe? among the builders. So how's everyone feeling? Like, what's your assessment? Because you've been to so many ETCCs. How does it compare to previous ones? Yeah, I, I'm since it's at the same venue every single year, I walked up to the venue this year and there's always people like kind of just hanging out outside. If you don't, people come without tickets. And so they come and just they hang out outside and then people take a break outside. So there's always people hanging out outside the venue. And I was walking up and I see like the massive people that's always there. And I could just tell, I was like, oh, thank God it's a calm one this year. <laughs> <laughs> because last year's was insane. And also it was a hundred degrees last year. This year was only 80 in Paris. Um, so I would say it's calm and relentless. Like the building, the rate of building in Ethereum has always been like redlining in a good way, like at the highest RPMs possible, whether you're in a bull market or in a bear market, that hasn't changed. Um, and specifically the building now, it really feels like people have always been building hard, but rubber is really meeting the pavement here. And I think we'll see that as we go through this weekly roll-up agenda, and you can just kind of look around this space, like layer twos are shipping, like the infrastructure around layer twos are shipping hard. Uh, entire ecosystems are transitioning. Everything is, the, all the hard problems, if they are not being currently solved, they are on the cusp of being solved. And that's, that's kind of how I would share the sentiment of builders is like it it's real inside of it's been real in the last like six months and like the next six months like a lot of very real stuff hard problems are getting solved i like those words calm but relentless uh mm -hmm. is a really interesting way to describe it and there was a bankless uh, party event as well that we had for for bankless citizens mm -hmm. uh this is a photo from from one of these uh so how, what was the vibe there yeah, this is the the bankless team. So this is at the end end of the party. We took a took a team photo. Party was great for all the bankless citizens. Shout out to all the the bankless citizens that were out there. I talked to uh, John Ice Cool from the Dow quite a lot there, and just a, a number of other people. It, you know, uh, while talking to all all the the bankless citizens, there's like certain archetypes across crypto. Of course, we know this. The different different tribes. I would call the bankless citizens like the Athenians of crypto. Oh, really? They're like yeah, they're like. <laughs> There's a lot of dads. We have, we have a lot of dads. So <laughs> shout, dad shout out to all the dads that listen to Bankless. But like, there there are a lot of people who really care and really care deeply about crypto, and they're mm -hmm. living like they're like it's a, a lawyer with the two kids, or like and the, the why I call this the Athenians is in the 300 movie. You have the Spartans and the Athenians talking to each other, and the Spartan the the Spartan guy who's I, I can't remember the name. Uh, the guy. The it's just like guy. a warrior society, right? Yeah. And like he's asking the Athenians who want to join the fight and is like, what's your profession? And one guy says like, oh, I'm a blacksmith. And it's like, oh, what's your profession? It's like, oh, I'm a cobbler. And like, oh, what's your profession? I'm a farmer. We're the Athenians. Like it's just this very diverse group of very like humble, focused people who live in a society, live in a collective. 
and so I, I just, it's like, everyone's just really appreciative of course of like the, the podcast, but like the diversity, I think diversity is really the word I'm going for here is, is pretty, pretty cool to see. I really love that description of the bankless, uh, as the Athenians. I, I feel like a, an Athenian myself. So, uh, that's, that's really cool to hear David. I see a lot of plants at this uh, venue. Was that intentional, David? <laughs> yeah. So I wish I could say I picked this place, but Rachel, who is in the middle, uh, she picked, she picked this place, uh, curator of vibes. The, the drinks were fantastic. Uh, I had a number of uh, chin and cocktails, so I got, I got a little <laughs> loose. Uh, and because we had this, uh, beautiful event sponsored by Sega, all of the drinks for the bankless citizens were free. These are the rules. If you're a bankless citizen, you come to the bankless meetup, you get free drinks. Uh, the founder of, of Sega was there and we were talking a little bit. Ryan, do you know what a, an exotic option is? No, that sounds uh, fun. Though. Exotic. Is it fun? Yeah. So it's an option that it's an, it's, so you have normal options. You have vanilla options and you have exotic options. I think the simplest way to explain an exotic option is if this, then that statements for options. So like hmm. conditional options so he was like walking me through what like you can do with with exotic options and so if you're interested in exotic options or you are interested in free drinks sega might be the place <laughs> so sega the free drink is, is the link yeah uh -huh. so thanks very cool. thanks for sega for providing DeFi exotic options and providing the bankless nations with our liquidity and the next time the band gets back together of course is that permissionless and hope yes. the athenians the bankless citizens mm -hmm. uh, show up for that one anyone who's listening of course uh, you can catch that in Austin, Texas, September 11th through 13th. There's a link in the show notes to tap into this. David, do you still have some conference energy in you for the back half of this year? Yeah, I actually signed up for one more here at ECC, oh, but we'll God. talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> so you, you called ECC a very technical conference and you're totally right. Like yeah. for people that like hear me and Ryan talking about conferences and hear the crypto industry talking about conferences, ECC is like, it's like, you know, 301, 401 kind of hard mode. Like it's like professionals and teams and people coming to like get shit done. And definitely that's also true for permissionless. But I think if you're looking for a stepping stone into being a conferencer, and I can't re recommend being a conferencer enough, Ryan, uh, permissionless is a great place to get started. It's like the the vibes last year, just like, yeah, the, the Athenians, like so many different people, a hodgepodge group of people coming to all coalesce under under permissionless. And Blockworks does a, does a killer job just like facilitating and organizing and operationalizing a conference. And so we will have our next Bankless Meetup for Citizens at Permissionless. That is September 13th, 11th through 13th in Austin, Texas. A ton of people. If you only go to one, if you only go to one. If That's you only what go to saying. one, it's Permissionless. And That's this right. is me. I only go to one. This is the one I go to. <laughs> right. See there. <laughs> From personal experience. We got a lot to cover this week, David. Man, mm -hmm. we're talking about conferences. It was good to catch up with you, but there's so much going on in crypto. I'm mm -hmm. glad you stayed up to date on the roll-up. But yeah. topics of the week, Alex Mashinsky, Remember that guy, the scammer from Celsius? Yeah. He was just charged by the SEC, the CFTC, and the FTC. Finally, <laughs> they are busting the scammers. Uh, we'll talk about that. What else we got going on? The Ripple case. I know the Ripple case happened right after you stopped, uh, stopped recording with Anthony last week, and then you added that little bit. But we're going to get the reactions from the Ripple case. I actually have a take. I think Ripple actually lost, but crypto what? still won. Oh, so that's I, my, yeah. that's my okay. hot take about that. We'll talk that. about that. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I interviewed Hayden Adams about this next announcement. Uniswap X, I interviewed him right before ETHCC. So we're going to go into what is Uniswap X. It's a brand new protocol to pair with the Uniswap AMMs. We also got an L1 that wants to become an L2. Uh, 
Uh, and we'll talk about all the ETCC relevant things along the way as well. Before we get into it, guys, I want to give a shout out to our friends and sponsors over at uh, Stater Protocol. This is a new ETH staking protocol. It is uh, decentralized. One of my favorite things about this is that it is permissionless. So similar to some of the decentralized protocols out there like uh, Rocket Pool. And second, this is if you're ever looking to uh, run an Ethereum node yourself, okay, this is the lowest cost way to do that. Uh, lowest capital requirements, I should say, way to do that. Only four ETH to spin up a stater node, which is really cool. And they also have a pledge to keep staking decentralized on Ethereum, including a self cap on the amount of ETH that they'll accept in their protocol. So David, I got to tell you, I am now in the season where I'm thinking about staking my ETH. Okay. I've more staked more. some in the past, but now I'm kind mm -hmm. of ratcheting that up. It feels like a lot of the risk has been boiled out of it. And it's so fantastic to see all of these new staking options. Uh, right now, as far as launch incentives, Stater has a 1.5x staking boost this month that you can be eligible mm -hmm. for. And uh, they've got some LP rewards too. So go check them out. And uh, in general, look for options to stake your ETH. That is the uh, the bankless way. That 1.5x boost, what that, that means is you are getting a little bit extra from the SD token paid as incentive. So token incentives is where that boost come from. If you want that boost, there's a link in the show notes so you can go and get started with Stater. David, let's talk markets, man. It's been too long. Uh, where are we at this week on Bitcoin? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get out the words out of my head but at the bankless meetup where everyone says, as the, they just chuckle when we do the prices, but we're doing them anyway. <laughs> we're doing them anyway. Bitcoin last week, seven days ago, 30,900. It's currently down Friday, uh, Thursday afternoon, 4% to 29,700. So down 4%, Bitcoin down 4% on the week. I think pricing in the crab market is is difficult because it just doesn't change from week to week. It's kind of, I mean, this right. is basically it's flat. It's been single past, digits like a lot. Yeah. How about Ether? May as well. What, what's Ether on the week? Down 3%. So 1930 to 1890. So down 3%. And then, of course, that means okay. the ratio is up. It's up a little bit more than a percent. Hanging so out you would call it, I would call it a negligible week. This feels like our, our crab market numbers, right? You know, 30K. Yeah, these, 2K. Are, these are big crab markets. Yeah, this yeah. is where we are. Crab, by the way, it just is a market that goes back and forth, back and forth. It continues. And that, that's it's sort of left, where we are. Left to right. But, before this influx of new money, which where's it going to come from? I think that's a major theme for us uh, this year in 2023, 2024. But what's the ratio look like? Any change there? Uh, up a percent, a little percent and a half, 0 0.063. Uh, market cap, I think we're above a trillion. I'm not even going to put that chart 1.3 trillion. We hit 1.3. You, you, you said 1.3 trillion last week with Sazzle. That was the first time we, we hit 1.3. I mean, that feels big, right? To be above yeah, a trillion. That That's small. another big number for me. Um, yeah. Let's talk about TradFi. David, you remember stocks, those things that you could, um, they're like tokens. They're like ERC-20s, but- um, Honestly, like I've completely forgotten about stocks. <laughs> okay, I, well, I only look at the charts that you have pulled up, the NASDAQ and the SPY. Well, All look stocks. at them. It's a nice they're looking chart. I'm. I shouldn't have forgotten about stocks. Let me tell you that. <laughs> they're, they're almost at all-time highs. Both the NASDAQ and the SPY are yes. almost at- all-time highs, which is around where crypto set its all-time highs. Crypto set its all-time highs at the end of 2021 and going into 2022. The SPY and NASDAQ did the same, and they are almost back there. You know what, what gives? Yeah, what gives? Where's our bull market? Where's our all-time highs? You know, and I, it's funny because um, people in crypto are, are bragging about like how you know Bitcoin and Ether are, are decoupled from stocks and how great that is. I'm like, but it's decoupled in the wrong direction. Bad. That's not <laughs> fun. Bad way. That's bad. 
Yeah. Uh, so this, you, is, you a, a this is a take from Anthony Susano where he said, Max Payne for crypto investors is watching stocks hit all-time highs while ETH and BTC, <laughs> BTC are range-bound, a.k.a. crab market. Ultra Payne is selling crypto for stocks just before crypto starts a new bull market. Uh, okay. And like I, I comment below this and I say, the year is 2019. Mm. If you... I re- this is exactly what 2019 was. The equities markets were ripping and crypto was just lagging so hard and it gave us all so much FOMO. We were so bummed about that. Uh, and then, and then you know, oh no, it happens in 2020. But man, this, it, the 2019 to 20, 2023 uh, discrepancies, not the- Do you know what? It's different for me. I'm feeling zero FOMO. Like I just, I, I go yes, ahead, rally stocks. Like I don't yeah. care. Like we are so well positioned right now in crypto. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, okay, that's great. Go do your thing. Uh, in fact, it's like later. now that the discrepancy is there between SPY and NASDAQ all-time highs and crypto is still flat, like mm-hmm. that it would be dumb to chase that because you yeah. the, the discrepancy is bullish for us, yes. for crypto assets. Yes. And it makes you me- You have permission like, to be bullish. Well, do you permission to be bullish? Is that the theme for the episode? Do we have permission That's the to be bullish? That's the theme for the episode. Yes, yes. There's, I've put this in the agenda a number of times. There's, This is the first of many reasons in this roll-up why bankless listeners- I think you have permission to be bullish now. <laughs> if you are a bullish person on crypto and your friends are saying, ha you're dumb for being in crypto. You're like, no, you should be buying crypto. You have permission to be bullish about that. Yeah. Like yeah, there's enough I, evidence there. I totally agree. I think I am, uh, I've never, should I say, I've never been more confident about crypto, but like, I just feel like we are so well uh, set yes. up. It's like we feels are coiling. good. The spring right. is coiling right now. And like uh, it, it resonates with what I'm seeing here at ECC and all the hard problems mm-hmm. about like sequencers and layer twos and ZK stuff, all of that, all the hard problems coming into, into fruition being solved, man. Okay. There's, again, theme of the episode, it'll be, it's a reoccurring theme. We'll keep going. Okay. Well, be patient. You have permission to be bullish now. It's what David Hoffman, my co-host, says, I could have you back, uh-huh. man. I, I like that bull oh, energy. Yeah. Okay. How about Go, the protocol? That's G-H-O. This is Aave. This is a, a stable coin that launched on top mm-hmm. of Aave. They've hit $4 yep. million in market cap in two days um, and are probably larger by the time we're recording this. So a pretty good pretty good entry, I would say, into this. So yeah, it's 4.56 right now. Uh, remind us what Go is, David. Yeah, just a, it's pretty similar to Dai from MakerDAO, except this is Go from Ave. Pretty pretty similar. If your mental model starts there, you're off to a great start. So Ave, you know, it's an has assets in its vaults and it has um, extra margin because you know people deposit more than they withdraw, and so you can mint Go from your deposits into Ave, just like how you can borrow anything else. And so now Ave is a hybrid compound maker protocol, which is bullish. I would say. Yeah, that's a, I that's like cool. it. And then also similarly, this is, uh, there's a, I, I would say another theme of what I'm noticing is a lot of parallel development. MakerDAO, this is aside from the news of this week, but MakerDAO is doing its Spark protocol, which is Aave for MakerDAO. So Aave's got a stable coin and MakerDAO has got a lending facility. <laughs> so all these verticals are Well, MakerDAO has always had a lending facility. What, what do you mean by this? Uh, it is, it's different. It's being compartmentalized now. So the stable coin and the lending, uh, yeah. So it's got an Aave. So Aave is different than MakerDAO. And now MakerDAO, the system as a vertical has the credit facility, which is DAI. And then the money market facility, which is Aave. There's definitely, this is a meta pattern. There's definitely a lot of convergence here. Like one, one thing I'm seeing with convergence convergence. is like, there's a a ton Mm -hmm. of convergence on layer twos as a strategy for scaling. That's another big theme that's going on. This was com- completely unsettled two years ago. Anyway, uh, let's keep going on. Do you do any whale watching, David? I'm talking no, about crypto do whale whales. 
All right. Well, I, I don't either, yeah. but this one I don't I don't I feel too jealous of people who I see moving <laughs> their funds after ICOs after eight years. I'm like, man, you, you gotta remember there's still okay, so some this one address out there. There's still some massive whales yeah. out there. Uh this this address awakened after eight years and just moved $116 million to Kraken. Oh, our friends and sponsors Kraken. What other exchange would you use? Of course, it's got to be Kraken. <laughs> to sell uh, your ETH ICO. <laughs> Imagine investing in the Ethereum ICO and not making a single transaction. And the <laughs> next thing you do is you send it to Kraken to sell it. Like, I don't, I wonder if they like lost their private keys and magically found it somehow, which is the best day ever for them. Or they just have the biggest diamond hands of all time. Just and they patience. just don't even care about DeFi. Maybe it's just patience. So you wrote that thing from, uh, I mean, how much was this when they purchased 25 it? Cents. 25 cents, 20... 25 to 33 cents. Okay. Well, that, that was the price of Ether, right? So it's 116. That's the ICO price, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, it's 61K worth of Ether times, you know, 25 cents, whatever that is. Uh, I don't know, $15,000, $15, something like this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. $15,000, okay? You buy this thing, million. wait eight years, and then you send it to cash out, uh, presumably, at $116 million. Wow. That is a patient investor right there. I can't, they must have had another address. You know, they never, because like, they never got themselves like, I don't know, a, a house, a car. Yeah. Like they never glowed up their life in eight years when they had access to hundreds of millions of dollars multiple times. Patience, Jeez. who knows? Wow. What are the chances that whale That's is listening to, this, to me. listening to this uh, right now and us, us talk about this individual and they're like, yep, that was me. That was me. <laughs> they're a bankless listener. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, oh David, we got a lot more to talk about. What else we got coming up next? Coming up next, we got Mashinsky arrested on fraud, but I have a conversation starter that actually starts with a Nick Carter take, which leads into our second reason of the week as to why we're allowed to be bullish. Ripple put the SEC on its heels, and I also have a take as to why Ripple actually lost, but, at, but crypto still won. ECC has brought plenty of announcements, and Base is open soon to builders. We're going to talk about that. I interviewed Jesse Pollock here at ECC, Ryan. We're going to talk all about that and more as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken. If you have a dormant ICO that you haven't touched in over eight years, <laughs> consider using Kraken to get your liquidity. We're going to go hear from them right now. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Enter Mantle, an entire ecosystem dedicated to the adoption of decentralized, token-governed technologies. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new, high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built differently from the other Layer 2s that you may be familiar with. 
Mantle asks the question, how would you build a layer two if you had the technology of 2023? Mantle Network is a modular layer two built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum layer one. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80% compared to other layer twos, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries in DeFi, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded to help the growth of Mantle, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, or EduDAO for In the World of DeSci, and Bybit for TPL and liquidity and on-ramps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Alex Vichinsky, one of the big great scammers of 2022, has been arrested on fraud and a bunch of other charges, wire fraud. Uh, we're going to talk about all the details of what he's getting charged. But first, before we get into that conversation, I want to pull out this take from Nick Carter. I want to start this conversation here. Nick Carter, in November of 2022, right after FTX collapsed, he tweeted out, and I remember him talking about this on his podcast. He says, if we can't purge the three hours capital boys, SBF and all of his cronies, Mashinsky and Quan, we don't deserve to move on as an industry. Good people will continue to leave because they can't morally justify participating. I remember reading this take and I was like, oh, that's bearish. That's going to take so long. There's so many of them. They're all over the world. And today, Alex Mashinsky is arrested on fraud and all these other charges that we're about to go into. And so the details here. And we're going to come back to Nick Carter's take at the end. Uh, the details, CEO of Celsius, of course, charged by the Department of Justice, lawsuits from the SEC, CFTC, and FTC. The Department of Justice accused Mashinsky and his cronies of orchestrating a years-long scheme to mislead customers on the market value of the company and interest in the sell token. The SEC has accused them of securities fraud and misleading investors. The CFTC has accused Mashinsky of engaging in a scheme to defraud customers by misrepresenting the safety and profitability of the platform. And the FTC has accused Mashinsky of violating the Federal Trade Commission Act in connection with the marketing and sale of cryptocurrency lending and custody services. The companies have agreed to a judgment of $4.7 billion, which will be suspended to permit Celsius to return its remaining assets to consumers in bankruptcy proceedings. Basically, like that is the comprehensive takedown of Alex Mashinsky at all. That book is closed. And while we can go into the details of, of Alex Wyshynski, I think we can really just summarize it there. And I kind of want to go back to the Nick Carter take. Three Arrows Capital, Alex Wyshynski, Do Kwan, and SPF. And he goes, if you want to pick a bottom, it's when all of Kwan, Bankman, Machinsky, Livingstone, and Suzu have reached their reckoning. Only then can we recover. And I remember being intimidated by this take. Like, I didn't want to admit that that's true, but because I thought that it was such a crazy hill to climb. And here we are. Not just just over halfway through 2023, Quan is in jail in Montenegro, waiting to be extradited to the United States. Sam Bankman-Fried is under house arrest. I can only assume he's going to jail. Mashinsky is going to jail. Suzu and Kyle Davies are still on the run, but they are completely ostracized from the West. They can't step anywhere outside of Dubai or else, otherwise they would be arrested. So that box is not yet checked. However, with all the other boxes checked and the complete fall from grace that is 3-0 capital and probably the very likely cases and efforts going into actually grabbing those guys is probably going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. I say that we have permission to be bullish. 
Yeah, I say I those think, boxes are checked. Look, it, it's um, it, it really. I think I think it showcases the value of the bear market as well. I yeah. mean, if prices didn't go down and we didn't see the collapse that that we saw, if we just continued to go kind of straight up, then uh, all of these frauds would still be here in this industry, yep. and yep. we'd have that toxic cancer inside of the body and not even know it. I mean, some of the, some people would know it, but like right. it wouldn't be obvious. This is the value They'd of be the minority, market. Yeah. They'd be the minority. We saw the same thing in, in 2019 too. Um, mm -hmm. all, of the, all of the ideas were tested. We had a whole bunch of ICOs that were just like raising ungodly amounts of money for what, like slides, white papers. Remember mm -hmm. it was the white paper mm -hmm. season? You yeah. create a white, a white paper, papers. raise $50 million in a token, and then just like exit scam basically. All of that was lifted during the bear market of 2019. Uh, 20, 2018, 2019. So we need these purges. Um, I This is the reason for bear markets and uh, why I'm glad that and thankful that we have them. Uh, David, uh, Ripple case. We mm -hmm. talked about this at the outset of last week's roll-up. So of course, XRP, a judge ruled in the US that XRP itself isn't a security, according to the court. We talked about this, including uh, we had Mike Selig, on the episode, maybe we should just recap this for folks because you weren't here, sure. and then I'd uh, I'd love to get your takes on this um, mm -hmm. in in terms of like catching up and, and what you think about it. So, what happened last week that was so uh, momentous? Yeah, so last week that course case came out finally. We knew it was coming, but we didn't know the specific dates. So and then it finally get, comes out, and the TLDR of the case is that it's a, both a win and a loss for both the SEC and Ripple. Both sides won and lost, depending on which part of the case that we're talking about. So Mike Selig says it's a massive win by the Ripple team against the SEC, where Judge Tories clearly affirms that the view that the same crypto asset may be sold in an investment contract as a standalone good. So what he's saying is there's a line being drawn here. And is it's a line that is so elegant to me. And it actually really like it restores my faith in the court system to actually methodically and clearly and thoughtfully come to the correct conclusion. So we have sold as an investment contract and then later sold as a standalone good. And those are two different things. And this is why I think this is so elegant. The SEC is charging Ripple and Ripple's loss here is that they are being charged with selling an investment contract of SRP to certain large institutions under the premise that later, there, because of the efforts of Ripple, they will be able to sell those tokens to retail for uh, after price appreciation. That was a security. That was a legal securities offering. That was an investment contract. The actual XRP that is sold later to retail is not a security. So retail did not buy a security. A security was not sold. It was a standalone good. So Ripple, who I think you and I would say is like, I do not agree with the strategy and ethics perhaps of ripple as a product and they got charged for what i think you and i would agree on is what they ought to have gotten charged for which is quote unquote dumping on retail they just did it with these institutional security sales primarily the primary sales of xrp which was it was an investment contract but then it's a huge win for crypto because xrp is not a security when retail, the interested retail uh, parties permissionlessly bought that XRP token of their own volition, of their own accord. So the bad guys got got for the right reasons and crypto got protected also for the right reasons. And the XRP, and Ripple has to pay fines for all of their legal securities offerings 
And Gary Gensler has to put his tail between his legs. And we, as an industry, get to say that all of our crypto assets on secondary sales of pro programmatic DeFi exchanges and also crypto exchanges are not securities. I think it's a three for three. Ripple goes down and has to pay fees for the things that they did are bad and the sins that they've had. And Gary Gensler has to you know, put his tail between his legs and be like, oh, I got beat by Ripple. And crypto gets to go free saying like, none of our things are securities anymore. It's like three for three, dude. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, some would argue that, well, you know, let's say, let's assume that Ripple and XRP is actually selling uh, Vapor, of course, right? Mm -hmm. So they could continue selling those tokens to the public as long right. as it's not in an investment contract. And in fact, right. they did do that, um, you know, and, and that act in itself was not a security. And some people would look at that and say, well, that's a net bad, David, right? Because they, there's not much of a product here. It's overvalued. These assets aren't worth what people think that they're worth. Uh, and so they're selling it. I don't really have a, a strong comment on that. What I'm most mm -hmm. excited about is the um, refutation that, uh, you know, of Gary Gensler and the SEC regimes, their claim that all crypto assets, all tokens are securities. That's what they said. That quite plainly is not true and cannot hold, right? And so that's what was most strongly refuted in this particular case, that that very strong posture of all tokens are securities and therefore must be regulated by the SEC. This was a massive pushback against that. So yeah, I'm, it's, it's super, it's, I'm very pleased with the outcome of this particular case. Um, there's some takes back and forth about this, but one of the takes was from Gary Gensler. He responded to the Ripple decision. Uh, his take was he's disappointed over the treatment of retail investors. Hey, look, guys, I was just trying to protect retail this whole time. Um, I don't see that. I see most of retail being very excited, like the actual crypto investors being very excited about this particular ruling. So I'm not sure who Gary Gensler claims to represent on the retail crypto investing side, but he's just sad for retail. Uh, the true losers over this outcome. <laughs> I don't think Gary that? Gensler knows a single retail investor. <laughs> I think he's saying like, oh yeah, the retail investor whispered in my ear that they're disappointed. I'm like, well, Gary, the retail investors whispered in my ear that they're super happy. So actually I think retail investors are celebrating. Yeah. I, um, and by the way, it's not my like I, it's not my opinion that we need no protection for retail investors yes. in this whole like yeah. to the extent there are centralized you know parties, then um, of course we need protection. I mean we're we're just celebrating Altsmashinsky and SBF. It was a centralized service that regulators and uh, enforcers of the law are actually prosecuting, and we want that. Like go go after the scammers. It's just that when the SEC is taking a posture. To like completely kill innovation in the space and um, basically take the posture that all tokens are securities, th that's just like unworkable. Of course, they're not all securities, right? And so that's what I'm, I'm celebrating uh, mostly here. Um, here's a comment from Jake Trevinsky that I thought was um, pretty good. Some financial journalists, I don't know if you've caught up on this, but uh, Matt Levine, for instance, of Bloomberg, wrote a post about this. Uh, you know, saying that there's still a lot of confusion. This is what Jake Chervinsky is replying to. Some folks read financial journalists are still confused about the Ripple decision. The key holding is that investment contract analysis must focus on transactions, not assets. Tokens are not securities. Transactions in tokens can be depending on the facts and circumstances. He goes on, this is a critical distinction that the industry has made and the SEC has ignored for years. 
The fact that a federal district court has explicitly acknowledged its validity is a monumental shift in U.S. crypto regulation and a forceful rejection of the SEC's theory of law. It's particularly important for the SEC's ongoing cases against exchanges that list tokens for trading like Coinbase. Although the court didn't directly say trades on exchange order books aren't security transactions, it's extremely hard to read the decision any other way. Of course, we saw um, many of the exchanges, including Coinbase, re-enable trading for XRP on the back of this. Right. How crazy is that? XRP is once again trading on Coinbase. It's been so long. It's been like two years. So you think this is all permission to be bullish? Uh, maybe this. Yeah, I think by... this counts as two. Actually, this is there's two reasons to be bullish here. Permission okay. reasons to, that you can have permission to be bullish. One, what are they? Is that all of the fud and negativity and fear out of, of all of our assets, our securities, is gone? And that was that was a decent amount of sell pressure over the last like year or so. The the regulatory oversight of Gary Gensler is going to label everything as a security, so that's gone. And then this, this, the, the, so that's the first of two. Here's the second one. So the, this is the take from Collins Belton. He's a lawyer that we've had on the show before. He goes, in the long term, absent rulemaking or new laws, there will be an explosion of token sales and distribution similar to what happened in 2019. He's referencing DeFi summer after people's fear of the 2018 crackdown resided. DeFi summer may look quaint in comparison. We've did that episode, Ryan, about the history of crypto bull markets and what was the common denominator of all crypto bull markets is there were appetites for tokens. People were hungry for tokens. Tokens were on the menu. And what Colin is saying is that because of this clarity that we have, we now have the room for an explosion of tokens or sales or distributions of such, similar to what happened in 2019, the precursor to DeFi summer, after people's fear of the 2018 ICO crackdown resided. DeFi summer may look quaint in comparison. There's two reasons why you have permission to be bullish. We're at three. Three total? Is that three so far? No, four uh, with the, yes, four. four. We're at four. We're at four. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you. So uh, bullish prices, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I get that. All right. So mm -hmm. when, when I hear words like a DeFi summer may look quaint in comparison. Um, nice. I'm worried that we're not ready for that. Obviously, I could use some more time personally. Okay, but obviously the posture of all tokens are securities. Like that's mm. bad. I reject that. But are we ready for an explosion of tokens? Right? Like it, are we smart enough as an industry? And like will we put in kind of I, I don't I, I'm just worried about stupid FOMO season coming back. And I remember how much I hated it in yeah. uh 2021 when everything was going off the rails in the same way I hated it in 2017 when it was just animal spirits. Like, are we ready for this level of responsibility? It does feel a little bit too soon, <laughs> but I don't think I, it might just be happening either way. I, they kind of felt like the bull market for me ended sooner than I expected it to. I kind of expected it to have six more months in it than it actually did. I think these. I think it's fair to say that crypto cycles are moving faster because information is per moving faster, and we understand cycles faster now. So the bear market ended before you thought it would, but maybe bull market. Sorry, the bull market ended before you thought it would, but the bear market is maybe ending sooner than you thought might it be, would. Might do the same. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, this the theme of this episode is we have permission to be bullish. We're at four. We have. There's more. There's more in here. We got more. I'm to definitely come. seeing signs. I'm definitely seeing signs. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's another one. Uniswap Labs. They launched an aggregator for Dex liquidity. It's called Uniswap mm -hmm. X. I know you did an entire episode on this. What's the TLDR for the rollup? 
the TLDR, Uniswap X pairs with the Uniswap AMM. So you have Uniswap 1, Vs 1 through 4. Uniswap X pairs with those. If you understand what CalSwap is, basically start there. Uniswap X is pretty similar to CalSwap. It is a, a order. Dutch auction it's a, is it's CalSwap, a, right? Yes, it's a Dutch auction that allows for market competitiveness in order fulfillment. So you can come to Uniswap X and say, hey, I have this token. I want that token. And with this Dutch auction mechanism with off-chain order routing. So instead of making a transaction on Ethereum, you just sign a message and broadcast that freely. Say, hey, whoever wants to fill this order can do that. So you actually don't pay for gas because you are not making a transaction. The cost of the transaction comes out of the trade. So you don't pay for Ether. So you can swap. You can just broadcast a transfer that says, hey, I have 500 USDC. I would like to swap it for DAI. And then the market will give you the best offer. The free market will come and compete for the best offer to give you as much die as possible. And the gas will come out of that trade. So actually, you don't have to touch Ether. There's a bunch of other benefits as well. In the long term, this is not what's happening today. But in the long term, you will be able to say, hey, I have 500 USDC. I would like as much die as possible on this particular layer two. I'd like it on Optimism or Arbitrum or Polygon or ZK Sync. And because it's you know, off-chain order routing, Whoever service provider wants to just deliver you your desired crypto assets on your desired chain, so long as there is a bridge to provide a proof that the actual assets were delivered back to wherever the originating order came from, so long as that's there, it's 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 bridge minimalism. Because instead of sending assets over bridges, you are only sending a proof over bridges. And then off-chain third-party service providers just fulfill your order for you. Uh, I think it's really cool. It, it seems to be, to me, the yin to the yang of Uniswap AMMs to Uniswap X. So this is a, another layer in the stack of Uniswap um, that I think really completes the vision. And there's a fee switch. It's an additional there's fee. There's a fee addition, switch? Yes. There's a there's a fee that goes for uni to, token. For uni tokens. It goes to huh. Uniswap DAO. There's a fee wow. switch inside of Uniswap X. Yes. So that's an interesting tidbit of information there. The, this this Uniswap X is uh, not generally available, but it's uh, open to an opt-in beta right now. So I definitely plan on trying it. Um, I it's really interesting, David. So like uh, I love what you're saying about basically the UX is going to be much more seamless. So you just sign a transaction. We're not talking about um, gas fees. Really cheap uh, trade. I can I can see this being incorporated in wallets everywhere. Uh, I can see it being really good for for end users. That mm -hmm. said, I'm a little bit worried about this function being pushed off chain. This this third party does this introduce another kind of trusted intermediary into the system? And I want to listen to the um, episode that you did with Hayden Adams and explore this a little bit. But um, I haven't listened to that yet, David. So, but I I did see this pushback on uh, Twitter from DeFi guy. Buried deep in Uniswap X docs, be behind the public messaging of a permissionless protocol is a completely centralized, permission opaque off-chain RFQ system. Let's take a look. RFQ at how it is works. Re request for quote. Right. By the way, so don't have time to get into this uh, entire thread, but basically the charges we're pushing some things off-chain, and this is a centralization mm -hmm. vector, and this is concerning, and people should be concerned because it's a departure from a permissionless protocol. I don't know what the response is to this kind of uh, question or concern. It's something I want to uh, look look into in some more details. Do you have any hot takes on this? 
Yeah, if I understand Uniswap X correctly, again, I would need Hayden to really be able to, to drive this point home. But the idea is that you broadcast, hey, I have this much of one token. Give me as many of the tokens that I want in the place that I want. And then the free market competes to service provide for that. So it's a third-party service provider, but that being a third-party service provider is permissionless. So anyone can be that. There's not one canonical third-party service provider. It's the free market. And that when, when the free market is competing, that is decentralization in my mind. Um, I, but um, I would also I need to go through this. Like make sure I understand what this guy's talking about. It feels like there's an analog to like builders and searchers in Ethereum. Yeah, very much and so. And it's just kind of like brain breaking. Like it took me a while to sort of understand builders and searchers and mm -hmm. to understand what the points of centralization would be yeah. in that new function and whether that is sufficiently mitigated by the protocol to justify it or not. Yeah. My conclusion for Ethereum was like, Yes, but if you after a while it permissionless in, in the fullness of time, the answer is yes. If we stopped right. halfway short of the proposer builder separation progress, yeah. it would have become central. Well, I was concerned. I was very concerned about proposer builder separation going in because I like the idea of builders and searchers being sort of the decentralized groups. It was like okay, but how are we maintaining centralization? And the key mm -hmm. is like validators are still kind yeah. of in control of the network, right? And you still have fork choice. Anyway, it might be a similar dynamic working here, but the first thing you should do, Bankless listeners, go check out the episode that David has already published with Hayden Adams on uh, Uniswap X. The first of my three ETH CC interviews. That is three podcasts while I was here. Out what else you got? Who else I you might do to? a fourth tomorrow. Um, one is with Jesse Pollock from Base, and the other is, oh my God, it was so good, Ryan. You're going to nerd the F out when you listen to it. Justin Drake and Tim Bako. Uh, the sci-fi roadmap for Ethereum. Oh, geez. Yeah. All right. See, see, yeah. I don't have to go to conferences because you do right there. <laughs> and you bring the best content back. Thank That's you. That's right. That's what I do, baby. <laughs> uh, we got a lot more reasons to be bullish because you have permission to be bullish this week. David, what's coming mm -hmm. up next? Polygon is about to upgrade the Matic token. We're finally converging the discrepancy between the Matic token and the Polygon network. Those are two different words, but that's actually the most insignificant part of the upgrade. It's just the part that I thought was funny. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the Polygon network upgrade, token economic upgrades as well. In addition to that, a layer one is about to become a layer two. Is the bankless thesis finally coming true? I told you it was What do you possible. mean finally? What do you mean finally? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the bankless right. layer two thesis is ah. finally playing out. Let me be more specific. Uh, ZK Sync's got a brand new prover. It's pretty, it's pretty groundbreaking. We're going to talk about why and what that means, all of this and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Since this theme is you have permission to be bullish, make sure that your portfolio is ready for the bull market. MetaMask portfolio can help. There is a link in the show notes to get your MetaMask portfolio opened up. We're going to go hear from them right now. MetaMask has something new. Introducing MetaMask Portfolio. MetaMask Portfolio is the best way to view your crypto portfolio from a holistic level. See everything across all the chains all at once. In your portfolio, MetaMask will report the aggregate value of all the assets in your MetaMask wallets and even the other wallets you import too. But MetaMask Portfolio isn't just a passive portfolio viewer. It is a place to do all of the money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets. So not only is MetaMask the easiest place to see your wallets in aggregate, but it's also a powerful battle station for all of your DeFi moves. So go check out your MetaMask portfolio because it's waiting for you to open it up. Check it out at portfolio.metamask.io. 
Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed onto Arbitrum 1. With a flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystem, Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub, and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now, Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. Are you a dev, but you don't know Solidity? With Stylus, Arbitrum's upcoming proposal for a programming environment upgrade, developers can write smart contracts in Rust, C, C++, and many more coding languages. Arbitrum empowers you to explore and build without compromise. Visit Arbitrum.io, where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app on Arbitrum. A layer one wants to become an Ethereum layer two. This has been a long- Oh yeah, I love those words. Can you say that again? A layer one wants to become an Ethereum layer two. This has been a long held, uh, I think, bankless prediction. Many roll-up bulls mm -hmm. like Plenia have predicted this for a while too. And here's the first proposal of its kind that we've seen, a proposal mm -hmm. for Celo to transition to an Ethereum layer two. David, what is Celo and what does this proposal call for? Yeah, Celo is a, it's always been a, a layer one blockchain. Uh, fun fact, it's actually the only layer, non-Ethereum layer one that we've accepted as a sponsor of Bankless. Uh, why did we do that? They are focused on public goods, regenerative finance, that whole movement, blo blockchain for good. Uh, and so they are working on adoption in, in third world countries. Uh, just a lot of just making sure the long tail of of uh, the globe gets at, gets access to blockchain services. So we've I've always enjoyed what Celo's done. And it's always seemed to me, Ryan, that they've used the blockchain as a means to an end to provide public good services to the world. Like, and this, so this is why this makes so much sense for Celo to become an Ethereum layer two is because they want to use crypto for the regenerative finance movement. And they've just been using a blockchain to get that done. Now they are saying like, hey, we actually can achieve our mission better if we become an Ethereum layer two. So they have submitted a proposal. Celo has provided a, a proposal to its own governance community to transition into an Ethereum layer two. So they are proposing to become an OP stack to help Celo developers utilize all of the Ethereum tools and libraries out there because the OP stack is basically Ethereum. Uh, they want to use off-chain data availability using eigenlayer data availability. So eigenlayers got the supporting DA services for them. Uh, and then also end users of Celo. If you are a transactor of Celo, use the applications of Celo. If you're anywhere in the the of vast apps that, that Celo does really actually truly have, uh, then you, you would not be affected. It would be a seamless upgrade for you. So I think this makes sense. This is exactly what we've been predicting for a long while. Um, I think this is the first of many. I was talking to one of my friends here at ECC. Uh, we were talking about Celo. I actually don't remember this, but apparently I told her that I think Celo will become a layer two eventually. And I told her that about like six months ago. And she goes, she went up to me today, you know, six months later or yesterday. And she goes, did you know something when you said that Celo is going to become a layer two? And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that in the first place. <laughs> did <laughs> you know the something? The bankless theses play out. The bankless theses always work. <laughs> Not always. We, you know, but like greater than 50% of the which time. Which ones haven't you know? worked? Not, none, none of the big things, I don't think. And, you know, the yeah. ones that haven't worked were just like, oh, just wait, just wait a while. You know, the, t the timing's uh, not not right on for that. But we did get Continue DeFi waiting. right. It'll eventually we did get Ethereum right. right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I guess one of my questions is are we going to see this with other layer ones? 
right? Is, is Avalanche, is Solana, are they going to become a layer two? And like my take on this is uh, the reason a layer one becomes a layer two is kind of for three reasons, right? It's tribe, it's network, and it's economics. It's these three reasons. And there's various weighting, but let's roughly assign them a third, a third, a third. One is mm -hmm. there is some tribal affiliation, right? If you switch uh, from one tribe and now you're uh, team Ethereum, right? You get some love and a support for, say, the Ethereum tribe. That can be a motivating reason to do this, or right? it's like kind of marketing, that sort of thing. We're talking about it on the roll-up. It's that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, the second is network. And that's the thing that has been lacking before, but is now present in sort of the super chain. You already have the network mm -hmm. effect of the EVM, but when you become an optimism participant in kind of the optimism mm -hmm. ecosystem, as a part of all of the other layer twos that are developing on top of Ethereum, you get plugged into a network and you get some beneficial network effects of interoperability, right? It's just connected to this ecosystem. That I think is a driver for, for Celo and others. And the third I would say is economics, all right? Rather than issuing token, which is a cost to the Celo business to pay for security, a layer two doesn't have to do that. All right, mm -hmm. it's much cheaper to maintain your security as a layer two. The, the analog here is this is why the state of Tennessee doesn't have its own private military, right? It gets that from the federal government, all right? And it's much more efficient uh, to get that cost, that security cost from the feds than it is to create like a state military uh, force, of course. It just makes sense. And so a seller doesn't have to pay that security budget. So it's those three things. It's tribe, it's network, uh, and then it's economics. And I don't know what other layer twos these three forces will come into play with, but I don't think Cello will be the last layer one that makes the switch. Yeah. Uh, my next prediction for my next for my next trick, uh, I think you're going to see Cello and many Cello apps participating in Optimism's retroactive public goods funding. So you're going to see OP tokens being distributed to the Cello ecosystem, and so it's. What do networks do? They are basically the, the the local governments for their domain, and they need to provide services. And one of the big poles of optimism is being part of the retroactive public goods funding. And so if a lot of the cello ecosystem can get funding from optimism, that is just a huge service that optimism can provide cello. All of these layer two ecosystems will be competing for chains, won't they? Um, speaking yeah. of which... Here's another layer two base. This is from Coinbase mainnet mm -hmm. now open for builders. David, what's this announcement? Yeah. So base mainnet is here. This is mainnet. It's open for builders. So the going back to the theme park ride, which is really to the test of time, the base theme park is open. The real estate is open for ride builders for ride operators. So if you would like to go build a ride on the base theme park for the inevitable flood of people going into the theme park, which is cough happening in August, uh, then now is the time. So mainnet open for builders. Uh, one of the interviews, like I said, Jesse Pollock of base, I talked to him for 40 minutes all about this and all the other like layer two manias that are coming layer two season that we, that we talked about. Um, and also just his collaboration with optimism and all of this. Uh, so base mainnet open for builders, uh, mainnet actual mainnet coming early august i can't say the date i actually don't know the date i do know the date actually <laughs> uh, but you can watch the interview that i do it might be out by the time you listen to this episode it'll be out soon tm guys did we mention the base in base stands for coinbase this is coinbase's layer two attempt yes. in case you forgot oh this yes this deal. is uh one of the one, another reason to have permission to be bullish oh coinbase <laughs> the, the layer two mania the layer two summer 
like you would be excused if you made bets that this would be coming. Base, Coinbase, flooding in users into the layer two ecosystem. We have public goods. I'm I'm just going to, at this point, just listen to the episode with Jesse. We talk about this, but well, layer twos and providing public goods and onboarding users onto chains and Coinbase leading that charge is going to be a huge legitimizing factor for the industry. Uh, base spearheading layer two summer, layer two mania, I think is permission to be bullish. It's a big one. They've got a, what, 100, 110 million or so users on Coinbase that could be converted over. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely massive. ZK Sync announced its new prover. It's called Bojum. What is this? Bojum? Bojum? It's ZK Sync's era new high-performance proof system. So why do we love ZK rollups? Because of proofs, because of the ZK. Uh, you don't have to have that seven-day wait period for fraud proofs from optimistic rollups. You have just the proof that cryptography gets you. The problem and the vector that all these ZK layer two teams are competing on is the efficiency and of their ZK circuit. How manageable is actually producing that proof? This is the thing that Polygon, Scroll, ZK Sync are all competing on is how solid can you get your proof, your ZK proof system? And so Boojum is ZK Sync's era's new high performance proof system. It used to, the average prover is, they are saying needs about 500 gigabytes of hardware on a GPU, on a consumer grade piece of hardware. 500 gigabytes, if, if it is a GPU, I think it is a GPU to make a proof. 500 gigabytes is insane. My gaming computer, I've got a gaming computer, it's got 16 gigabytes on its GPU. Uh, the Boojum requires eight, which wow. is not so low. It's not so low. Like some GPUs are down to four, machine. but they're kind of like the low end ones that need to be upgraded. Modern GPUs, eight to 16 gigabytes. I really hope that that's GPUs. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but if if Boojum can be proved with just eight gigabytes of hardware, what does that mean? That means if you have a GPU with eight gigabytes of memory in, in it, you can produce a Boojum proof for ZK Sync era. You can run a ZK Sync uh you can produce a proof. Why do we like this? Because it means you only need one prover to work. Whereas Ethereum proof of stake needs two thirds. ZK rollups need one. You need one prover to produce a proof. That could be you if you have an eight gigabyte GPU. Uh, and so that's why that, that's, and so this is, it's it's taking the ZK stack that I'm so excited about and making it real small, real manageable so that it can permeate into the internet, which is again, why I say the ZK stack will inherit the internet. More uh, layer two stuff going on. Polygon is upgrading its Matic token to something called Pole. So there are some big changes in the uh, the the Pole Matic ecosystem. This is like a, a token improvement, I would say, maybe an economic improvement. But the TLDR is this one Pole token is now going to power all of the chains. So that's mm -hmm. Polygon Supernets, Polygon ZK EVM. Even the Polygon ZK EVM Validium, of course, it already powers the proof of stake change, and they're chain and they're going through a rebrand of it. So no longer will it be called Matic. It will be called Paul, P-O-L. Is it Paul or Pole? I don't know. One of those two things. Why uh, isn't it Polly is the better question. <laughs> I'm sure Polly. What are they taken. doing? Do you remember? It's, wasn't there like a company? Wasn't there a company or a project called Polymath or something? Polymath, yeah. Think. It was a security tokens to... issuance plat platform. Yeah, you remember this. Yeah, I, I was in that security tokens world back then. They're totally yeah. relevant. Yeah, they, they, it's permission. Take Polly. You it can't should take be Polly. They already have it. 
Well, it's Paul. I, unfortunately, I, think I can't actually submit a governance proposal to change from Paul to Polly because I'm a U.S. citizen. <laughs> I think I think that's true, actually. Wait, uh, really? But Paul, come on, Polly. Okay, yeah, no, I, I I think I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but, okay, but uh, ser- on a more serious note, not semantics. One of the big critiques of Polygon is like it's not a roll up; it's just a proof of stake sidechain. And there's no like it doesn't inherit the security of Ethereum, blah, blah, blah. I think the the very important thing to emphasize is that you have the Matic token, which is the proof of stake token for the current Polygon proof of stake network. Now you have the Paul token, which is the actual validating token for every single network, actual mm. fees, all the networks, the many networks of that is part of the whole Polygon ecosystem. They're calling this a third generation because first generation, they're calling it Bitcoin. Second generation is ETH for the Ethereum network and third generation is Paul. For the you know poly number of networks, that's a that's a good pun. I think the poly networks of Polygon. Oh, that's why they call it Polygon. Oh, I get it. Uh, holders can become validators. So if you own hold Paul, you can now become a validator and get the transaction fees. So all of the many many networks that makes up Polygon, one token, many networks. Yeah, I think I I like what they're doing here. So Matic holders, this is a one to one upgrade. So Matic to Paul is a one to one upgrade. Right. Notice what they didn't do. So what they didn't do was make it like a, a different ratio and a ten to uh, one token split. Yeah. Go infl- even cheaper. Inflate. They Polygon's pretty cheap. It's like 50, 60 cents or something. They did. So. So. But yes, but they didn't kind of, um, I guess, kill or nerf existing Matic holders, which is good. Yeah, right. They also didn't do a thing that they could have done, I suppose, which is create you know, tokens for all of these chains. Right. So I feel like this is a good move. It's a, a, um, a long-term game type of thing. So the initial mm-hmm. supply will be $10 billion, same as Matic. Now, I will say that th- there is some issuance that has been added. So there's a 2% yearly emission of pull tokens on top of this, whereas Matic was fixed. So Matic was fixed at $10 billion, but with pull, there's going to be uh, some issuance. So there was some issuance added on the back of this. 1% goes to validator rewards, 1% to community treasury, which of course, pays for protocol development. Uh, all in all, you know, I think this is a pretty pretty good move for, and uh, most Matic holders that I've seen have been pretty excited and, and uh, about this. And of course, you can not only use Paul for uh, staking inside of proof of stake in the future, but you'll also be able to use it in, you know, other other roles that rollups present, say maybe sequencers, that that kind of thing. So, um, And just as a reminder before we move on, Ryan is an advisor to Polygon and Ryan and I are both advisors to both ZK Sync and Optimism. Turns out we like layer twos. David, you remember this guy from the uh, a show called The OC back in the 2000s? Nope. Not Never at all? It. Okay. Never well, this guy it. was um, a pretty big deal back in the day. Some bankless like listeners. a teenage heartthrob type. Yep. That's totally what he was. Uh, ben McKinsey is his name, former star of the OC. So I woke up on Monday and suddenly here's Ben McKinsey and he's at war with crypto. All right. I did not expect this guy uh, from the past. He hasn't done a lot of acting since his uh, OC This is days. who they're sending? This is who they're sending, David. Uh, the context is, yes, Ben McKinsey, former OC stars, pu- published a book this week on how all crypto is a scam. And that really is the uh, the conclusion of the book. So his story is he discovered crypto in 2021. He invested, in quotes, uh, 250K in it. Don't know what he bought, but uh, he indicates that he lost almost all of it, if not all of it. Hmm. Um, proceeded to talk to the, um, the, the, the crypto people, of course, which include Mashinsky, SBF, Justin Sun, you know, the best representatives of the crypto he was ta- industry. He was hanging out with them? 
that's who he was how did he find investigating his way talking to right he didn't talk to the vitalics of the world he didn't you know talk to anybody he didn't talk business. to us he, he didn't look up our guest list and talk to you know hester personal <laughs> he didn't talk to any of those people. i bet you he doesn't even know what bankless is yeah and so he drew a that's whole first mistake well i don't know like i think he does i it almost feels at this point like he's purposely ignoring that in order to uh to, to send a contrary message message which is all of crypto is a scam uh, because they're scammers in the industry, obviously all crypto is a scam. So here he is, he's doing the media circuit tour. I'm gonna play this clip, you ready? Oh God. You dug in and yet you admit you still didn't get it. It's, it, I don't get it either. It's not rooted, it's not, it's not a thing. It's right. not like if you buy a stock, it represents a company. If you buy a bond, you've got debt on, on somebody. Yeah. Right? Right. If you invest in grain futures, like there is a farm somewhere making grain. Like what is crypto actually rooted in or on? Mm. Nothing. Mm. It's a story. I mean, these are bits of computer code that are uncorrelated with any real-world asset, to your point. If they're an bullish. investment, they're that's an investment. That's so bullish. Exactly. I'm, that's what I'm here and for. the reason that I use the word Ponzi scheme in front of the Senate is that an investment scheme without value is a Ponzi scheme. I mean, that's the definition, and Ponzi schemes are regulated by like the Securities and Exchange Commission. So, in my opinion, the cryptocurrency industry does represent the largest Ponzi scheme in history. There he is. I, I could play more, but that's about the summary. So, Bankless Nation, this is who oh, you're up against when you're trading. Is so bad. Yeah, well, you know what? To me, wh why is this significant? To me, it just it kind of represents a bottom signal for me, yeah. right? It's just like yeah. now this person is coming out with a book on how all crypto is a scam and the conclusion. And just this is on uh, CBS Morning, like this, um, the, the show host is like, I don't understand this crypto thing. It's not backed by anything real. It's not backed. It's not like wheat. It's not like, uh, you know, a security. It's not like equity or anything else. I think that this well, is do we not live on the internet in this modern era? Like what just, do they think this is? I'm very excited to take the counter trade here. Because, oh so this, God, yes. this makes me bullish. This is the this, type of yeah. that I'm like, <laughs> this is who I right. to trade against. This is okay. Permission to be bullish. This clip, <laughs> Bankless Nation, is your permission <laughs> to be bullish right now. This is the bottom <laughs> signal of bottom signals. <laughs> so They're just handing to this, uh, handing this to us on a platter. They have Ben McKenzie in the whole like fiat font at the top of the <laughs> banner. Oh my yes. God, dude. Yes. I Let's think we're get doing this okay man's here. take and put him on, on talk to the Senate. Gee, I can't believe you talked to the Senate. Uh, yeah, Anyways. yeah. Anyway, the OC uh, actor is coming out hard against crypto and that is the ultimate bottom I'm signal. I'm shaking in my boots. I'm um, full of fear. In politics, I don't know if you've noticed this, David, but um, Robert Kennedy Jr., Robert F., uh, RFK, um, he's been taking some very pro-crypto stances. Mm -hmm. Last week, just earlier this week, David, he, he vowed to back the dollar with Bitcoin. All right. Not a lot, just under 1%. Very, very small. He said perhaps of 1% okay. of issued T-bills by Bitcoin and other hard currencies like gold, silver, and platinum. He also oh, okay. not 1% is Bitcoin. 1% is hard currencies like gold, silver, Bitcoin. platinum or Bitcoin. Okay. Yes. Uh, very pro Bitcoin stance. Um, he said it's a mistake for the U S government to hobble the industry and drive innovation elsewhere. Uh, his, uh, Biden's 30% tax on cryptocurrency mining is a bad idea. He also wants to remove capital gains from Bitcoin. I'm assuming in smaller amounts, right? So probably not large investments of, you know, millions of dollars, but like if I send Bitcoin, uh, you know, to pay for something, pay for my Starbucks, that's a capital gain on my Bitcoin, potentially, if it's gone up for paying for a cup of coffee. Other currencies aren't treated that way. So he brings a lot of points. 
um, to bear and is definitely taking a crow pip, uh, crypto posture, regardless what you think of uh, any of his other politics, which of course many people have uh, complaints about or different opinions on. Ron DeSantis as well, um, he is coming out hard against the central bank digital currency. He says this of CBDCs. He says this of CBDCs. They want to get rid of cash. They want no cryptocurrency. They want this to be the sole form of legal tender. It will allow them to prohibit undesirable purchases like fuel and ammunition. So the minute you give them power to do this, they will impose a social credit system on the country. CBDC is a massive threat to American liberty. What's interesting about this is, um, politics aside, it seems like all politicians are now in this presidential race having to weigh in on crypto. And I haven't heard Biden weigh in on a big way. I haven't heard Trump weigh in recently on a big way. But this is elevated in 2023, 2024 to kind of national level of conversation. And that is quite a departure from the previous uh, crypto cycle. Do you have any takes on this? My take is that everyone's got a take about crypto. And I think that's really just the summary is it's it's now mainstream in politics. And so it, we have risen to that level. Like you, you can't, everyone's good. Like you're going to be running for some office somewhere. And then one day you will be asked, Hey, what's your take on crypto? That's just, it's that, that's where we are. hundred uh, percent. Another maybe permission to be bullish that it's elevated to the, the national conversation here. Uh, this is not permission to be bullish as all the others. I well, this, one. this one is not strong yes. at all. Binance cutting back employee benefits, uh, citing decline in profit. Apparently Binance um, cut a thousand workers this week. Um, CZ had a yeah, response CZ on this. CZ said that was FUD. He said that it was, there were layoffs, but it wasn't a thousand. Four? Um, Is it one of the four FUD things? It's a, it's a four. Yeah, I don't know what four. to think about all that, but you know. Yeah. Uh, CZ, as we continuously strive to increase talent density, there will be involuntary terminations. This happens in every com company. The numbers reported by the media are way off. It's just FUD, okay. he says. All right. There you go. A new update from Gnosis Safe. This is a Gnosis Pay. See that little uh, Visa card, that Gnosis Pay Visa card that you see on your screen? I see when it. You, so I actually talked to some of the Gnosis team at Zuzalo about how this works. When you run your that credit card, the magnet induces enough of an impulse of electricity for that chip inside the card to make a private key transaction trans, uh, signature. So there's a private key in that Visa card and just scanning it makes a transaction happen Wait, makes it what yep yep there's a private key in that visa card and it runs on top of gnosis chain and so we have gnosis pay and gnosis card running on top of gnosis chain the gnosis, gnosis chain is like a side is turning into is... this like bankless system uh and payment system along with your vault gnosis safe so like gnosis chain gnosis pay gnosis card gnosis safe i think there's a few others as well it's a pretty impressive vertical but the no, news here is that Gnosis Pay is out. Gnosis chain, chain that's a like a side chain on Ethereum. It's yes, like EVM side chain. chain. Yes. I love Gnosis Safe. I will say that. Best multi-sig I've used. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Really cool to see this. This is an announcement out of ECC Espresso, announcing an ecosystem partnership with Eigenlayer, collaborating to bring restaking to the Espresso sequencer network. This is one of the things I was referencing earlier with the rubber hitting the pavement about very hard problems, as everyone's getting real excited about Espresso sequencing and shared sequencing and, and just overall the growing infrastructure around. Wait, what is this? One of the big problems about all these layer two networks and the fractal super chain, fractal scaling, hyper chains and all of, and, and then all the restaking eigenlayer chains is there's a lot of parallelization going on. 
between all these chains. Like mm. there's 10, there's going to be 10,000 OP, OP stack chains. How are we going to parallelize and then combine all of the transactions? We, we do that with sequencing. Espresso Systems is is attacking tackling this problem head on and they're doing it alongside of Eigenlayer, it sounds like. This is a rabbit hole that I think we actually really haven't explored yet. Uh, sequencing. Yeah, I think I think we should we should probably do an episode on sequencing. So uh, call to action for who is the best sequencer guest? Might be Torgal from Scroll. Yeah, uh, I just could have him on. I I feel like I need to school up because most sequencers right now are run by kind of internal teams. Like Arbitrum runs their sequ- yep. sequencer, yep. Optimism runs its sequencer. But this can't be the state moving forward. So yeah, I would love an update on that. Um, very cool to see, David. We got more coming up, including questions from the nation, some hot takes from crypto Twitter as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back at you. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Introducing Polygon 2.0, the value layer for the internet. For too long, the limitations of blockchains have held back app development and stifled user adoption. The internet allows anyone to create and exchange information. What's missing is a value layer that lets anyone exchange, store, and program value. That's where Polygon 2.0 comes in. Polygon Labs has unveiled a series of innovations that will radically alter the Polygon ecosystem and Web3 as a whole. By leveraging groundbreaking ZK innovations, such as Polygon ZK EVM, the next iteration of the best-in-class Plonky 2 proving system, and a first-of-its-kind ZK-powered interoperability layer, Polygon 2.0 will give users and devs unlimited scalability and unified liquidity. Right now, there is a Polygon improvement proposal regarding a potential ZK-powered upgrade of Polygon Proof-of-Stake. If approved, Polygon Proof-of-Stake would become a Layer 2 ZK EVM Validium. Make your voice heard on this proposal by joining the Polygon Discord today. You have a chance to help the Polygon community give the internet the value layer it deserves. Are you planning to launch a token? Is your token already live? And are you granting your employees and contractors vesting token awards? And are you trying to figure out how to take care of taxable events for your team? Toku makes implementing a global token incentive award simple. With Toku, you will get unmatched legal and tax support to grant and administer your global team's tokens. Toku will help you navigate across the life cycle of your token from easy to use pre-launch token grant award templates to managing post-cliff taxable events with payroll. For legal, finance, and HR teams, it's a huge complex task to have to comply with labor laws, payroll, and tax obligations, tax reporting, and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone. It's difficult, time-consuming, manual, and costly, and it's drawing more attention from global regulators and governments. Toku makes it simple for leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin, and many more. So if you want some help navigating the complex world of token compliance, go to toku.com bankless or click the link in the description below. Question from Bankless Citizen Kyle Kaplan this week. So if Optimism switches from optimistic fraud proofs to ZK proofs and chooses the ZK sync prover, we are just talking about that, will it reduce the need to bridge between the networks? And would that make it a hyper super chain? I think this is a great question. It's kind of a question that I've had in my mind as well. All right. So part of my worry is we create all of these island ecosystems. We have, you know, the ZK era ecosystem. We have the optimism, arbitrum ecosystem, polygon. They're all kind of separate ecosystems. And it would be really nice if we had some standardization and a way to kind of easily bridge between them, or we shared some security assumptions or we shared some UX or something good could come of that. I think that's what Kyle is asking about in this question. Will it reduce the need to bridge between networks? What's your, what's your answer to that, David? I think Kyle's tapping into my fascination about stacks lately. So we, we've had the OP stack for a while. The ZK stack is brand new. And I let, when we were, I was talking about the ZK stack, I was talking about what is the ZK stack? It is ZK syncs, ZK circuit, emphasis like, like concentrated, put into a small little package. And I think what Kyle is saying is, 
oh, a small little package. You mean like a module and how mm -hmm. the OP stack is like a module for layer two chains. Can you take the ZK sync circuit and put it inside the OP stack? And the answer is yes and no. Uh, it is theoretically possible to do that and things are progressing in forward in that. Specifically, the ZK sync circuit is not EVM compatible. So it, the puzzle piece does not fit. Mm. But I, and this is coming from Ben Jones. I had to ask Ben Jones to make sure I was getting this right. He said it doesn't fit yet. Hmm. Important point, yet. Uh, so it is possible to, to it is eventually possible to do that. You could put the ZK sync circuit inside of the OP stack. It just needs to be made more EVM compatible. However, O1 Labs, O of one Labs, we saw this announcement not too, not too long ago. They are also building a ZK circuit for the OP stack. So there is competition from the ZK world to build the ZK circuit for the OP stack because then whichever one becomes standard is is the one. Uh, and so there is a competition here. I like competition and also I want very much standardization, right? So one thing it that's nice about the- but yeah. But it's like competition and standardization is like anti like you want a monopoly for standards, don't you? Like HTTP right. is a monopoly when the protocol of the internet, right? And this idea of a hyper super chain that Kyle is tapping into the, the questioner, right. that's what we all want. We don't want like all sorts of different stack chains right. here. We want the, one hyper the super poly chain. ZK op the yeah. RB stack. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't right? know if we can get that. I don't no, know. Right. So, um, so, and by the way, I, I do think that if Ethereum doesn't figure this out with, with layer twos as bullish I, as I am about kind of the modular thesis, right. And I'm very bullish on this. I think mm -hmm. this is the chink in its armor, armor, right. Yeah. Where a monolithic chain, a Solana, for instance, has an approach and they're like, UX is seamless. You can get from here to here. It's easy. We don't make you change any wallets. You don't have to change your security posture, your assumptions. The UX is just seamless and it's easy. So it's really the modular, um, you know, uh, modular way to scale this. Really important that we figure out UX and get some standardization here. Um, great question, David. We got some takes of the week. Here's a take from Antonio from DYDX. What's he saying? Antonio from DYDX. DYDX, of course, was once a Starkware based, Stark uh, X based layer two, and then pivoted into being a Cosmos app chain. And he says DYDX was early and right on DeFi. Very true. E early and right on perps. Also very true. Early and right on Ethereum layer twos. And, D and then he finishes and saying DYDX will be early and right on app chains too. I don't know about that take. <laughs> Why? I think he's totally right. But my my follow up question was, um, do you still like Cosmos app chains over layer two app chains? He's in he's his... in his tweet. He's talking about Cosmos app chains. Okay. However, well, that's not clear in the we tweet. We have an I... independent layer one becoming a roll up on layer two, and you can do app chains as roll apps on, on Ethereum. And I'm pretty I sure know. he's not talking about that. But it's interesting, <laughs> right? So. Um, I'm also very bullish on app chains, but I'm much less bullish on app chains without shared independent security. App chains. Independent yes. app which, chains. Which means you're not bullish on Cosmos, which is what that's well, a because, statement. And, and why? It's because it, it kills the kind of the economic, remember, are we talking about tri no tribe network and yeah. economics? It kills that last leg of the stool there, the economic argument. You still have to pay for security, don't you? Well, so it also makes you weaker tribes because all of the Ethereum layer twos are anchored by ETH. Cosmos app chains are not anchored by Cosmos. Federation of city states. That's what the cosmos vision has always been rather than kind of the empire type model of Ethereum. 
Uh, so yeah, he's uh, taking a bet, big bet, big builder bet, big bet. on the yeah. Cosmos app chain ecosystem. So I think, I think he paper handed layer twos. I think, I think the UIDX paper handed. Antonio is pretty smart, man. And he's a builder. I don't know. Maybe he, he sees something that, um, that others don't. We'll have to see. That's my, uh, that, that's my take is that Antonio paper handed layer twos. That's my take. <laughs> <about his> take. <laughs> well, he's always been early. Sometimes. Like he was, he was doing app chains before app chains existed on Ethereum. Let's let's, let's let's say that, right? And then he stopped. He was so early, <laughs> and he stopped. Uh, we're rooting for you, though, Antonio. And DYDX yeah, is a great platform. Yeah, Antonio, you're you're great. DYDX is killer. Uh, okay, Ryan, this one's your take. take. Yeah, it's just a lot of I've I heard a lot of conversation about tokens being securities this week, mm -hmm. and I just think that's the wrong framing. Like, why are we even asking that question? Okay, tokens aren't securities. Tokens are tokens, David. Can't like it's not Don't that hard. It. Tokens can be money. They can be memes. They can be loyalty points. They can be NFTs. They can be shares. They can be coupons. They can be IOUs. They can be commodities. They can be cons. They can be whatever you want, because anything that represents ownership can be expressed as a token. What are we doing? What is Ethereum? A property rights system in which you can express ownership of a scarce unit on the internet. Ownership of anything that's scarce ownership, scarcity. That's what we're doing with tokens, right? So when the SEC or anybody analyzes tokens under the securities framework or that rubric, it's like, why are we even talking about this? It's so like, we're not thinking about first principles. And that's why I feel like our regulators and our lawmakers are doing this stupid thing where they're, they're, pigeon, they're either pigeonholing crypto into securities, into something it's not, that's limiting, right? or they're nannying us into a list of thou shalt, thou shalt nots with tokens. And it's really stupid. The one thing they could be doing that would actually be helpful for us is disclosures. Remember, like that's what the SEC is set up to do. It's a disclosures-based institution, not a merit-based. They don't get to decide what investors buy, right? That's beyond, like that, that they're not supposed to do that. They have to help with disclosures, right? So you can see what a company's financials are. So they're fired, filed quarterly. They maintain a, bed, a database called uh, Edgar, which lists all of this disclosure information about companies and they require the filing. So what can regulators do? They can help the public know what it's buying. We have a lot of public data on chain. They can maximize. I would love the SEC or the CFTC to create dune boards. That would be a start. Wouldn't that be a prototype? Like, wouldn't that, that the, be, that's too productive of them. We got the disclosure information and we can even, as a crypto industry, team up with them and help. We got builders. Like, one thing that our regulators can do and our lawmakers can do is they can uh, help with the coordination problem. They can help solve Moloch and they can just be like, hey, here's a list of 15 things that we think um, should be encompassed in a, you know, pr a protocol. And here's where we're going to organize everything on this set of like dune boards, let's say, for instance, but, but so I don't understand why this is so difficult and the, the constant, um, back and forth about you know, tokens, are they securities or not? It's just totally missing the point. I just wish our governors, the people running things, our regulators and our law lawmakers would actually do their jobs and use their brains and govern because that's all, that's what we need here. Anyway, I, I think I got triggered because I was reading some other financial analysts' opinion on whether tokens are securities or not. And I'm just like bubbling up to, that's not even the right question to ask. What? Of course well, they're it, not securities. It's a lack of imagination. 
If you're trying it's to say lack terms of, of security, yes. it's because like you're trying to take this new thing and categorize it and pigeonhole it into this old thing. It's the same conversation as like, is Ether a capital asset? Is it a commodity asset? What is it? No, it's, it's something net new. It is yeah. a new thing. It doesn't yeah. fit into the old things. It's kind That's of right. like the old things, but it's a new thing. The, the answer to the question is almost like, we'll see. You know what I mean? Like, like we, we just have to see where the use cases bring us. Mm -hmm. uh, David, let's end with this. What are you bullish on this week? I am bullish on, this is uh, the last of my ammo of you have permission to be bullish. Okay. Does this graphic make sense? Do you okay. see what I've done let here? Me, let, me, let me get my bearings here. I'm looking at uh, ETH over the dollar. This is a chart. We're looking here. at a log ETH chart from 2020, halfway through 2020 to now. Okay. And I'm seeing some uh, bars and I'm mm -hmm. seeing like kind of two, two sets here, some candles here, two sets here. Yeah. So, well, yeah, what am I, what am I looking at? Flipped? Oh, okay, did you so just, there... you just cut, copied and pasted and you flipped the, yes. the, the bull market and swapped that in for the bear market? Yes. Yes. So I cut the, the part the bull market is in the blue box and I've copied and pasted that and I've flipped it. So the bull market is now upside down and then I've shifted that over to the bear market. I've lined it up over the bear market. And what, what, what am I doing here? The bull market of 2021, the bull market of old had two tops. May of 2021, we had that blow off top. Mm. Uh, I can, oh, I don't, I can't point to it because I don't have the cursor. You can, uh, you, so the 2020 may have, uh, yeah, that, that was a top. And then we also had the November, 2021. Also that top is a double top. Oh, here, yeah, yeah. The bear market had a double bottom. It had the three O's capital liquidation right after the Terra Luna uh, crash. About a year and ago. that was the bottom number one. And then we had the FTX insolvency, which was number two. And so I have loosely lined up the double top of the bull market with a double bottom of the bear market. And they kind of line up. And what I'm saying is like, okay, if the, and I flipped it around. The reason why it's upside down is that now the double top of the bear, the bull market falls into the, into the bear market, but the double bottom of the bull market the point is, it's about the same amount of time. <laughs> we are here. And so you have permission to be bullish because the bull market and the bear market are about right now the same length. We could we could get a few more weeks or months under our Why belt. Why do they have to, really to be, be the sure. same length, length though? Just because it... Be because of human psychology, <laughs> at some time, we're just right. done being bearish. And I think that people have bear fatigue and the bulls have room to take over they have there's enough evidence there's enough permission for them to take over and be like you know what bears get the f out of here we're done with you we're buying we're, we're not gonna let the s p rally so hard without yeah uh, without right no i'm, I'm gonna hit the buy button i'm gonna do it f you get out of here and so i'm saying you have permission to be bullish for the last time of this podcast. wow well it's a good bankless episode without some is this ta some ta at the end some, this some is this news. is the craziest <laughs> david hoffman ta i have ever I seen think this is pretty crazy but you know what david i want to believe and all you're basically saying is hey human psychology plays out in the same way during a bull market it's just mm -hmm. the inverse in a bear market right and instead of mm -hmm. hitting the sell button uh, we we hit the buy button. But that's right. all you're doing, and you're yep. just extrapolating that forward. Uh, so we yep. got two bottoms here, uh, just like we had two tops, and uh, now we can proceed into uh, yep. into a glorious bull market future. Permission yeah, to be so bullish. You ask me what, what what I'm bear what I'm bullish on. I'm just bullish. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm, I'm just I just am. That's great. Man. All right, what are you bullish on? Uh, this week I'm bullish on staking that risk free rate, baby. I was just looking at. Do you remember you we did? Were you bullish on staking last week? 
I don't care. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> bullish. I, do you know, um, uh, do you remember that episode we did a long time ago? Um, and I've just been too busy to kind of look at these bro. numbers again. Okay, sorry. The episode we did on how much ETH it takes to retire. Oh, this yeah. Was, uh -huh. When ETH was, I don't know, with ranging, Colin Myers, yeah, crab mm -hmm. market between like 100 and 300 yeah. or something. That's what yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. and it was uh -huh. a fun exercise to figure out how much. ETH, like, this is before the Beacon Chain launched, and we're trying to calibrate the rewards and interest before we even knew about kind of MEV execution layer rewards and how big that would be. We're trying to figure out how much ETH, how many validators you need to run to to actually retire. That whole exercise. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway. What's really fun is like staking. We have a risk-free rate of return. There is some amount of ETH that you can acquire as a productive asset and stake it at a risk-free rate and then use the proceeds, pay your taxes, of course, sell those proceeds and retire on that. Mm -hmm. To me, this is like the like fire for millennials, right? Um, financial independence, that whole kind of like strategy. Um, so what am I bullish on? Staking, stacking and staking ETH has never- Stack and stake. It's never, it's never gotten boring to me. That's still, in my opinion, ever since we started Bankless, that is still like the end game. Yeah, you know always, what I mean? Like Always has been. You got DeFi tokens, you got ROI. layer twos, you got all sorts of things out there. But ultimately the uh, denominator there, the unit of account to me is still Ether because it has this risk-free rate that um, serves as a productive asset. So yeah. I'm staking on, or <laughs> I'm staking, I'm bullish on staking this week, David. And I'm bullish on people listening to Bankless getting to some amount of ETH where they can live off a portion of that, semi-retire. Do have Bankless is about f like freedom too, right? And so it's a freedom technology. You don't have to have an intermediary when you stake. You can stake on your own, you can run your own node, uh, and then also having a cash flow to fund the things that you want to do. Um, that to me is, is pretty exciting and, and what uh, we've been about since we, we started this episode. So I'm just returning to that and being like, hey, you know, a lot of the risk is boiled out of this and I'm personally ready to stake. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. We should go back to the episode and see what numbers we came up with back then with that calculator to see how on track we were with all this data that we have. Oh, I think fun. if I remember correctly, it was something like 3.2 or 3.7 validators get you 30, 60, thousand dollars a year of passive income uh under a 10k ETH paradigm do you want to do uh, that we should just do a redo of that episode and yeah, now that we have staking that we absolutely like how much how much stake Colin, does it take Colin, to require come back i've got one more thing that i'm bullish on ryan go for it if i'm allowed if i'm allowed two yeah, things it's your show, um, this is something that i know that you don't get to experience nearly as much as i do because i go to all the conferences um but i am always just like insanely humbled by all the people that come by and just say hey david also tell Ryan this, thank you for what you do at Bankless. Uh, and maybe this is me patting myself on the back, but I, I'm, I'll i do it. And I think you should too. But it's something that is always the theme of every conference that I go to is people like, I just find what you did so valuable, what you do so valuable. I've gotten to this, I got a web three job because of you guys. And because of the podcast, I listen to it all the time. Uh, and so thank for anyone who takes a moment out of their day, at the conference to tell me that, and I'll always pass it on to Ryan. Uh, I'm bullish on the bankless nation. So just, uh, it's, it's always pretty cool to, to talk to these people at, at conferences. So I appreciate it. That's really cool. You, you don't get that kind of energy on the internet. It gets a little toxic no, sometimes, but in real it life, is. um, real life is not like that. Meme of the week, David, what are we looking at? 
Oh my god, did you see this? <laughs> this is Vitalik. This is Vitalik walking. He looks like he has a uh, a bunch of people a mob in suits, of suits following him. him. Mob of suits mm -hmm. look like a, an entourage. <laughs> He's just calmly Vitalik walking in his, his like you know, skinny black t-shirt and, and blue shorts. <laughs> It, they look like this, blue uh, Pokemon shorts. You know the kid who's like, I like shorts. That, yeah. It feels like those are the shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and um, then he's this... followed by what looks like a mob of people in suits. And the tweet is, my entire net worth is in this man's hands. <laughs> no. Okay. I just love that. Uh, the funny thing is, uh, when I was staying at, this is this is at Zuzalu. The, yeah. the man that you can see in the center behind Vitalik is Mickey. He's the incoming prime minister of, of Montenegro. And the guy to his right, our left is the president of Montenegro. The security is for them. Zalu uh, is, like, <laughs> is, is like 200 hilarious. feet ahead of them. And the camera does not look like shot, that. So it looks like they're close, but the, the Vitalik is, it's not, the security is not Vitalik. Also the apartment this, that I stayed in is like two rows of houses behind the apartments that you can see there. That is funny. So the security is for the president of Montenegro, not kind yeah. of the, no, you know, the no, founder Vitalik of the doesn't theory, have huh? security. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, guys, you're going to really enjoy the moment of Zen this week, so make sure you don't skip it. But uh, David, you got to give people, I need some context for this. What is the, what is the, Pinky Doll? This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever asked me. Okay, so <laughs> Pinky Doll is this TikToker who okay. there are animations on screen that people can pay money to make an animation pop up. And yeah. she's doing this thing where she's like a human bop it. You know that you know the bop it game like yes. bop it yes uh slap it uh spin it like that thing okay. like, yes. millennials will know so like if you press one of these specific emojis and you have to pay money to do one emoji she reacts in a particular way uh this is not that this and is people a, pay for a, this people pay yeah people pay for her to react in this particular way uh and it, she apparently she does it for like five hours straight and she's raking in like hundreds of thousands of dollars anyways <laughs> this is not that this is gary gensler superimposed upon her so this is what you were about to experience i'm so sorry bankless nation we are doing this to you, <laughs> there you go. thanks for explaining that uh guys i gotta end with risks and disclaimers of course it's pretty risky to stay till the end of a, a bankless a moment of zen of course but also gotta let you know crypto is risky you could lose what you put in but we are headed west this is the frontier it's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Enjoy Pinky Doll as Gary Kensler. I'm so sorry. Good. Hmm. Polygon so good. Hmm. Polygon so good. Balloon. Pop, 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 pop. Gib, 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 gib. Hmm. Ripple so good. Gib, 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 gib. Balloon. Pop, 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 gib. Slurp. Mm. Polygon so good. Ooh, 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 ooh. Thank you, Solana. Got me feeling like a queen. <laughs> Thank you, Cardano. Avax. 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 Ooh. Gang, gang. Gang, gang. Slurp. Mm, ripple so good. Avax. 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 Thank you, Udi Slay. <laughs> meow. Meow. Mm. That was so good, Solana. Pop. Amazing.